meeting. I am calling the uh, meeting, May 23rd meeting of Houghton Community Council to order. Could we have roll call, please? Bill Goggins. Here. John Kepler. Here. Kristen Lovelady Dixon. Here. Betsy Pringle. Here. Larry Totally. Here. Rick Whitney. Here. And Ruth Wright. Here. Thanks. So for tonight's meeting, our agenda includes uh, the approval of um, minutes from our last four months meetings. Uh, then we've got council member reports and comments. Uh, and John and I were talking just before the, the meeting and, and John has uh, asked if we could modify the agenda so that under council member reports and comments, he's got um, KZC 95 specified. He'd rather see it rather than have it as a council member reports and comments. He'd rather have a have an opportunity to present that under old business. Um, so that would we would add that to the agenda after our action on the high performance building standards and before the HCC sunsetting amendments. Are there any objections to that? Could we can I get a motion to approve that modification? So moved. Okay, it's been moved and seconded. All in favor of that, signify by saying aye. 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 Good. Okay. So that's been added to the agenda. And um, so to continue, we have uh, the opportunity for the audience to address us after our council member reports and comments. And then we'll be discussing the high performance building standards with Dave Barnes, followed by John's um, discussion on the uh, tree code, and then finishing up with the Community Council sunsetting amendments and any administrative reports. That's our agenda. Let's start with our minutes. Do we, and beginning with the January 24th, and are there any additions or corrections to those minutes? Would someone care to move for approval of those? So moved. Second. And moved and seconded. All in favor, say aye. 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 Excellent. February 28th minutes, February 28th. Any additions or corrections? Yes, Larry. Oh, Larry, you need to unmute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've just been holding the, the uh, button down. On uh, page three, uh, at near the bottom, the last full paragraph, motion to amend resolution to read. It says provided by ordinance 1936, and it's really 19366. Ah, good catch. Yeah. And in that same page, the, there's duplicate of the vote motion carried seven zero yes that's in there twice yep and on page two under request from the audience lee no last name given it says third in pain i believe he meant third in pine because he was talking about seattle that is correct yep 
And on number 12, my notes said it was Carrie, not Abby, but I didn't go back and check. I remember there was a confusion about the name of the speaker on that one. Because remember, she said my name is actually something or others. Yeah, and that's what it was. The, the, the Zoom name came up one way, and then the, 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 the daughter came on. Yeah. I, so that's, that's what I wrote down anyway. So, so what, what would be the appropriate uh, adjustment to that? Well, in my notes, it would say Carrie, a student at Eastside Prep. Okay. But they could double check that on the uh, recording if they wanted. All right. Any other additions or corrections, Larry? Nope. Anyone else? Okay, so subject or with those corrections, uh, can I get a motion to approve the minutes as corrected by Larry's comments? So moved. Is there a second? Second. All seconds. Moved and seconded. All in favor say aye. 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 Excellent. Those are passed. Let's go to March 28th. <clears throat> Any additions or corrections? I don't see any help. Oh, Larry. Well, members present, I believe Betsy was not present. Uh, and the votes later on confirmed that we voted 6-0 and Betsy's name wasn't listed under any of Yeah. <laughs> Betsy, does that, does that conform, uh, confer, uh, conform with your recollection? I think maybe I, I was sick that month. I, I, I do remember you yeah. were. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Thanks, Larry. And then another one under request from the audience. Uh, the, the Again, the Zoom screen comes up with Jan NY, but they're both capital, but it's Nakam Nakamura Young is the name. Yeah. Any other additions or corrections? Nope. Anyone else have anything to add to Larry's? Could we get a motion to approve the minutes of the March 28th meeting subject with Larry's corrections? So moved. Second? Second. Second. So I got a motion by I should be stating this I think Betsy made the motion and and uh, give John the second it was, it was kind of unanimous or simultaneous um, all in favor of approving the minutes with Larry's corrections on March 28th signify by saying aye aye, aye. opposed okay and our last minutes are from the April 25th meeting last month do we have any additions or corrections to those minutes. I've got a quick addition on page two. Uh, it's item 5A of the first page continuing on. Uh, Mr. McMahon suggested the revised, uh, the re uh, Revi revising. 
yeah, revising the resolution and ask me to share my notes regarding the principles. I did that and they were included in our resolution just for the record. So if everybody saw that, right. they did get in, uh, included as an attachment. Right. Do you think that we, that the minutes are, they are correct though, the way they're stated. Yeah, the minutes right? are correct. This yeah, is yeah. just an addition that uh, I did follow up with Mr. McMahon, sent my notes and they were yeah. included in the resolution as an attachment. Right, right. Yep. Does anyone have any additions or corrections to these minutes? Okay, can we get a motion to approve these? So moved. All right, Larry's uh, has a move for approval and is there a second? Second. Seconded by Ruth Wright. All in favor, say aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. Okay, so we have our minutes out of the way. Council member reports. <clears throat> Health through housing. This almost should seem like it rather than a, a council member report. I'm almost like thinking this should have been, we should modify the agenda and have it similar to what John wants to do and have it as a separate agenda item than just a council member report. Cause there's, there's, there's more to it. Than, yeah. We should have discussion uh, on this. Um, and this, it really warrants to, um, be moved to a uh, its own separate agenda item rather than just a council member report. Would you anybody disagree with that? Because I'd like the opportunity to, to be able to discuss the, the, um, the. And by the way, just for the record, Ruth, you just sent, sent a modification out, you know, to it uh, to what you proposed, and that came outside of the city's email system. That needs to be in the city's email system just oh. FYI. so they all i sent all a lot of them outside of it yeah of yeah yeah that, and, oh i i thought for sure larry would have let me know because he always yeah. was really good at letting me know yeah it's not like we're we, we it's not like we're trying to hide anything we're doing it trying to do anything and we none of us have really been interacting you've just been sending stuff out to us and you know i should have probably said right on right from the start make sure you're doing it through the city's email system. But yeah, uh, I find but, that part of the problem is, is not, I know I don't look at my email all the time. That's the, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Well, if you're going to resend it, can you please fix my typo on, I misspelled Kelly Curtis's name. Okay. Yeah. But right now we're working off what I sent at 517. Oh, okay. Well, everybody change Kelly's name. I apologize. Um, at any rate, I, I would like to um, I'd like to see us move this to its own uh, agenda, uh, and I'd say it probably should be under. It's not really old business. This is the first action of the committee, right? That that you've actually presented for our approval. It, you, yeah, I think you, it's unfinished business. I, unfinished. I, I would agree. Let's put it under unfinished business right after last month. We yeah last time. Yeah, let's put it right after high performance building standards. Okay. So we can get we can get that way and get David out of, on his way home, <laughs> or maybe he already is home. <laughs> Good. At least he doesn't have to listen to all of the all the other things we have to discuss. So, uh, I would entertain a motion to move uh, the health through housing discussion to uh, agenda item B under unfinished business. Um, 
Ready to get a motion to that effect? So moved. Good. Is there a second? Second. Okay, it's moved and seconded. All in favor of that, adjust, adjustment to the agenda, signify by saying aye. Okay. Aye. aye. Excellent. So we're going to discuss that. So now uh, A and B are their own agenda items. So now we have um, King County Northeast Recycling and Transfer Station project update. Is that who is? Uh, <clears throat> I can give an update yeah. on that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Last year. So. Uh, the county held two meetings, one on May 12th, one on May 19th, uh, related to the Northeast Recycling and Transfer Station siting process. May 12th was an open house, so um, pretty general around what's a transfer station, why do we need a transfer station, and how does King County uh, engage in the process around siting a transfer station. So really a chance to re-educate the public since it's been several months since that conversation's taken place. So uh, that was May 12th. May 19th was the siting advisory group meeting, um, which for those of you that aren't aware, the siting advisory group is made up of several different types of citizens, um, as well as council members from Redmond, Woodenville, uh, and Kirkland. And uh, the purpose of that siting advisory advisory group meeting was to um, ideally get the SAG group's um, recommendation on which of the two, which one of the two potential Woodenville sites should be part of the uh, environmental impact study, which is the next um, step. So it is presupposed the two sites in Houghton will move forward as part of the EIS study. So the question really was to SAG, well, we've already chosen these two in Houghton, which one of these two in Woodenville should move forward into the EIS study? And um, the siding advisory group had some pretty strong uh, reactions to the siding process in and of itself, had a lot of questions, at which point the county needed to remind the SAG group that um, they are an advisory group and not a decision-making body and that the final decision for EIS would be held by um, Pat McLaughlin and the uh, King County Solid Waste uh, team. So um, at the end of the meeting, SAG group, really actually most of them abstained from choosing a Woodenville site because uh, the consensus was, we don't choose any of these. We don't, we don't agree. We don't agree with this process and we don't choose any of these. I don't speak for all SAG members when I say that, but the majority of the vocal SAG members um, expressed that opinion. And the meeting closed with uh, the next steps being Jerry or uh, Pat McLaughlin and team will have a decision on the three sites that will move forward with the EIS study by the end of this week. And the two Houghton sites uh, are um, presupposed to be part of that. And to add to that from the SAG meeting, I didn't attend the uh, uh, May 12th meeting, but this, the SAG meeting also started off that the uh, Brickyard Park and Ride lot site had come up and yeah. had been as another small potential small site and was kicked out uh, for a variety of reasons by staff. And so there's quite a bit of discussion of that and also options of, well, 
maybe two small sites uh, that maybe makes better service uh, for waste management and others. They don't all have to drive to one single site. Uh, and the other uh, thing at the end of the meeting was that the siting advisory committee or group would get back together probably around October when the this, this city or when the process would start the scoping for the EIS, uh, which was supposed to happen last fall. So they're basically a year behind where they, where they started at, uh, which was good to hear. At least they're not going to try to do scoping during the summer months. So that always, that always comes across as pretty uh, uh, inconsistent with the, the SEPA process. Oh, we're on vacation. We're going to do this scoping. <laughs> uh, I have started uh, looking at some of the previous uh, emails and such, uh, and just trying to put some categories together. Uh, but since that meeting was last, just last Thursday, I haven't gotten that far on it, but I'll probably be doing that and working with Kristen. Uh, just at least have some categories of things that we want that the Houghton Community Council would like to uh, present as a framework, whether for scoping or uh, analysis some way down the, the pike. And if it doesn't get in officially through the Houghton Community Council, then some of us as individuals can move that forward at that time. Mm -hmm. So are you, are you thinking that that's something that we're gonna be uh, adding to our agenda for June then? Yeah, I think it's worth at least going through uh, these categories and see if there's anything that's missed okay. uh, out there. And I know that the, we've had a lot of comments from the Vital Trails group and uh, be good to see if we can, I'll try to get something together that you know, if we can have even uh, a summary of something uh, beforehand that people can look at and make comments on. Would, would it be appropriate to uh, have a, a committee of you and Kristen to to be putting that putting forth that recommendation to us uh works for me works for me anybody object to that I would I would like to entertain a motion that we uh that we um constitute a committee for recommendations on the scoping process for the transfer station um consisting of Larry and Kristen we get a motion to that effect So moved. so moved by Ruth. Is there a second? I'll second it. Okay. Second by Betsy. Any further discussion? All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Okay. Thank you guys. Appreciate that. That's really important. It'll at least we'll, we'll be on record whether we get listened to or not by the county is another issue. <laughs> okay. The Houghton Park and Ride discussion. We have any any updates on that? No updates. Um, since as we just talked about at the last meeting, it's a pretty slow process with the state. So yeah, I, I assume it's still in the appraisal process. Right. Okay. Do you do you anticipate anything that's going to be coming out on that uh, before our June meeting? I'd be surprised. I I think you'd have to ask. 
ask me again then, but um, I'll make a note to check on the status yeah. at that point in time. And okay. that was the first question is, like once the appraisal's in, does the city wish to proceed with purchase? And then if the city decides to proceed with purchase, then it's the whole process of how to program the site and what might, yeah. what might happen there. So that's a, a long-term proposition. But at least on the, if, the, if WashDOT's done with the appraisal or something, I'll give you an update. Okay, Larry, I see your hand up. Speaking of that, so uh, Jeremy, have you heard any more about the uh, uh, PCC site? Because that was started to council back in uh, January, and I thought it was like a 90-day due diligence period. It's not within the Houghton boundaries, but it's right across the street. I have not heard anything new on that. Um, which probably means it's still like in, in private negotiations, but I haven't heard of an announcement of council meetings on whether or not that's gotten green light or kind of proceed. So I guess it's still a real estate transaction being negotiated. Jeremy, usually you're very uh, audible, and for some reason I'm not hearing you real clearly tonight. Oh, I'm I sorry, I even have my headphones in, think it would help. That, that sounds better. better. The mic there. Yeah, that works better. <laughs> okay, thanks for the reminder. I'll just be sure I talk louder and into the mic. Thank you. Thanks. Because <laughs> what you say is very important to us. <laughs> okay, any any other? Yeah, okay, so any other council member reports? Okay. Uh, let, John. John, you're muted. Uh, apologize. Uh, just one other thought that hit my mind was uh, Rick and I had a uh, meeting Thursday week before last week, so a week and a half ago with the mayor and the vice mayor. We just ran through a few items. One of the items on the agenda was um, some sort of uh, acknowledgement uh, about the Houghton Community Council in the community uh, and the service that the Houghton Community Council has done. And uh, Rick and I are focused on some sort of, you know, shindig or something like that. And the mayor and vice mayor did mention that um, they felt something was appropriate to acknowledge, not, not us, but the, the council over the past years that has been around and, and they would get back to us. I think that was all on that topic, wasn't it, Rick? Yeah, I was going to mention that as well. It's just just yeah. some sort of recognition. They felt that that uh, we've we've been involved with the city and con contributed for such a long time, over fifty years, that it it there should be some sort of uh, recognition of that. And exactly what that will entail <laughs> is, uh, I don't know. I guess it's subject to negotiation. Huh? <laughs> well, maybe maybe we can. Uh, get some sort of big retirement party <laughs> so we'll see to be determined um but yeah, i guess I, what, part, part of maybe it'd be good to at least get a sense of if, if if the city wanted to have some something that was a special recognition and, and, and whether it be a party or whatever um what's your sense is this something that you would want to participate in? Is there anybody? I, I see Bill looking at rather <laughs> down his nose on that. I I'd I, rather see something I'd rather see like a a little plaque or something at City Hall that 
future generations could know that, you know, there was this thing that, I don't know, just something, because I mean, just a party seems very ephemeral to me and, mm -hmm. you know, doesn't really acknowledge the people before us. Um, yeah. So that's just... I like that idea. I, I love that idea. And just to be clear, Betsy, Rick and I focus very, very much on, you know, it's not about us. It's about uh, the former town of Houghton merging with the city of Kirkland, the process and the journey that the two went on together to become one, regardless of how we all feel now. This is a culmination of that journey and it should be notated and, and celebrated. And so that's what Rick and I focused on yeah. with Mayor. And I've got a whole bunch of wooden nickels. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, I, I like your idea about the the plaque, and I'll um, I'll bring that up. Uh, I, I think that would be that would be worth worthwhile. Any other comments? Okay, then let's move into requests from the audience. Jeremy, as usual, I'm going to rely on you to monitor that, identify our guest speakers. I'm sorry, uh, Craig Godfrey has his hand up. Okay, I'm going to let you, uh, if you can just manage that process. Yep, here he comes. Greg, please speak to us. Okay, great. I just unmuted my uh, phone here. I, I wanted to get on um, the call tonight. I've been um, first moved to Kirkland in 1990. I've been selling real estate for over 35 years in this area. And I've been around many um, and live in Houghton. And I've been in many, many business situations, personal situations where the Houghton Council over the years of I've been around has made a huge impact in our area, um, a greater one than I think maybe even some of us who are around here right now realize. Just looking at it for over 30 years, how it's impacted things, I feel for the better of our community. I'm highly disappointed um, that um, the committee is being sunsetted, uh, but I just wanted to get on the call today and I wanted to thank you all and I want to thank the people before you um, who I know a lot of them and some I don't, but thank everybody for their service. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize exactly what's been done over the years and that um, the impact I know just from how it's affected real estate and how we tried to encourage growth, but be responsible about it um, has made it a better place to live. And uh, I just wanted to personally thank all of you and that's why I came on the call tonight and thank the people before you as well. That's it. Thank you very much. Very kind. No problem. And Rick Phil has his hand raised. Okay. I Hi, good evening. <laughs> Hi, Phil. Can you give us Hi. your last name, Phil? Uh, Phil Allen. Phil Allen, okay. On uh, 116th place. Okay. And um, certainly within Houghton, as it is between the Houghton Park and Ride and the Houghton Transfer Station. Yeah. And I'm here 
I'm actually uh, was really appreciative of uh, Kristen and Larry's uh, roll-ups of what happened at the SAG meeting number eight. Um, for my own part, in, in light of my normal sort of uh, process on this, I'm really happy the county looked at the Brickyard Park and Ride and looked at the slice of the site because it proves that they're willing to look at a slice of a site and they only have 253 more parcels that they could look at for a five to eight acre slice, which may take them some time, but with the 14 month delay that they are currently on, I think they had plenty of time. And that's yeah. all I have to say there. Um, I did write all of you an email. Uh, and this is in regards to at the last meeting, there was the discussion of what might the city do with the Houghton Park and Ride uh, were it to acquire it. And I remember getting a survey last fall. This is a little bit of a rehash of what I said, but I have some actual uh, said in the email, but I have some extra um, from the parks department for the city of Kirkland saying, hey, we're thinking about an indoor pool. I uh, contacted the parks <clears throat> department by phone a couple of weeks ago. They're still thinking about indoor pool. In fact, this Wednesday, the parks commission is going to have a discussion of it. This would be the Kirkland city of Kirkland parks department uh, parks commission is going to have a discussion of the possibility of an indoor pool. Uh, in addition, I talked with some folks at the uh, Bellevue Parks Department about the size of their pool, the Bellevue Aquatic Center that's on 143rd Ave, somewhere around 6th Street, 143rd Ave. Its size is about five acres when you include the parking and the building. And wouldn't you know, the Houghton Park and Ride is just about five acres, one way or the other. And it's already flat. And it has good roadway access, which would allow it to be an amenity for everyone in Kirkland. Now, I'm actually really excited about this possibility. I've experienced the inability to get uh, swimming lessons scheduled for children when I would like to. And I'm looking at that saying that would be awesome. And it doesn't really matter specifically where to me, but I think that would be an excellent site for it. Um, and if you are, as a group, considering recommending a use for the site, that would be my two cents on it. And I will say that the Parks Department employees I talked with in all cases, whether it was Kirkland or Bellevue, super friendly, super helpful, and I really appreciated that. And that is what I would love to see out of all the departments of government. So uh, beyond that, um, I'm really not gonna be able to top Craig, Craig Godry's previous comments. I've only been in Kirkland half the number of years he has. Um, <laughs> And I've really only had the HCC come into my like direct view probably in the last two or three. Uh, and uh, what I've seen and what I've said to others is that the HCC is the place I can go when I have a concern where I feel listened to. And there are other bodies when I bring a concern, I feel a difference somewhere between dismissed and ignored. And that I don't think is the right feeling for one to walk away with after trying to engage with my elected government officials. So I really want to thank you for being what government should be and working on behalf of the people. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, Phil. And uh, before we take any other uh, speakers, I'm, I uh, guess, pardon me, uh, uh, request from the audience. I think it's worth noting that in at least two of the meetings that John and I have had with mayor and deputy mayor, we have strongly advocated for that specific use for that site. Before that was even before the city uh, had uh, apparently any 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 uh, specific ideas for purchasing, we just thought it was a logical thing for it. So we we but the other thing that we did um, promote was that it should more should be kind of a regional thing because it'll be drawing people from 
Redmond and Bothell, and it'd be good to get some sort of a participation. And it's not a facility that's paid for by Kirkland exclusively, but then used by people from the whole east side. Um, and that's 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 I guess that's to be determined. But I really think that there's it, it's a really logical place to have uh, an aquatic center. Um, with that little uh, footnote, do we have any other um, requests from the audience, speakers? Um, no, their hands raised at this point. Okay. Uh, John, did you have anything to add to what I just said about the aquatic center? Yeah, okay. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, with that, let's move into our discussion of high performance building standards. Good evening, uh, Houghton Community Council. Um, David Barnes here. Um, and bringing the high performing building standards um, before you for the final step. Um, just in the way of background, um, the Houghton Community Council was first briefed on the high performance building standards back on January 24th, 2022. Um, then um, also, the uh, Houghton Community Council participated in a joint public hearing on February 23rd with the um, Planning Commission and voted to recommend approval um, to the Planning Commission. And subsequently, um, the Kirkland City Council um, considered that recommendation and adopted the high-performing building standards via Ordinance uh, 04788 on April 5th. 2022. So tonight, um, you have before you resolution R-2022-5 to adopt the high performing building standards within the jurisdiction of the Houghton, Community, or Houghton Municipal Corporation. So um, I'm here to answer any questions you might have as you consider this resolution. Thank you. And David, there's really no changes to what we previously uh, recommended approval. Is that correct? No, no, I, I did mention in the um, staff report that there was a couple comments that were received and I incorporated them into the standards. Yes. Okay. Other than that, no. Yeah. Do we have any questions for David? If not, would someone care to recommend uh, approval of the high performance building standards? Uh, or resolution R 2022-5 approving the high performance building standards 04788 within our jurisdiction. So moved. All right, Larry has moved to take, uh, to approve the um, uh, high performance building standards okay. ordinance 4788. It's been seconded by Betsy. Any further discussion? Discussion, discussion, all in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Excellent. Well, David, excellent job. That was a lot of work. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I appreciate your help too. Thank you. Yeah, that was, that was well done. And maybe we won't see you again, but you're welcome to come to our final meeting just for uh, old time's sake. <laughs> let me let me know. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate it, guys. Well, it'll be the fourth. It'll be the fourth Monday in in June. So, okay. Unless there's some other event. So, okay. okay. Thank, Thank you. Bye bye. Um, 
So let's now move into the discussion of health through the report on health through housing committee, the committee report and uh, discussion of their recommendation. Ruth, I presume you're going to be leading this discussion. Sure. Were. So did you all get the copy of our final final? It was sent out this afternoon. Yeah, you probably want to be sure Jeremy gets a copy of it too. <laughs> and I'm really sorry. <laughs> sorry, Jeremy. I, you know, it, and Jeremy, just so you know, there, there was never, to, to my knowledge, there was outside of the committee interacting, there's been no interaction, you know, where we're getting, you know, communications back and forth. It was just, you know, the, that was, as Ruth said, she wanted to be sure that people saw what she was sending out. So, it, oh, come on, Rick, but I ever chastise you. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we, we want to be on the up and up. We yeah, appreciate we're, a copy for the record. Thank you. Yeah. I will. I will. So okay. um, I just thought if we just look at the last page, the items for discussion. Okay. And then if you just follow along on, I didn't, I didn't label the pages, but. You go to resident rules, which is page two. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, I want to give credit to Betsy for coming up for all of page one. So we talked about being um, very positive at the beginning of, of things, everything. And I think she uh, wrote something very pertinent to that. That was for sure the great way to do that. Um, so under resident rules, a question came up um, about a minimum of two visitors per tenant is allowed at one time. No visitors will be allowed between 11 p.m. and 6 a.m. So we just wanted to discuss that. I think we just put that in there just as a baseline and then could, do we even want to keep that in there? Do we want to <coughs> firm it up? What do we want to do on that? Well, I, just to, before we uh, uh, even get into that specific issue, um, are, 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 I presume that these, if, if they're going to be on a lease agreement, then they're going to be protected by landlord tenant, the Landlord Tenant Act, right? Right. And if they are, I'm pretty sure the Landlord Tenant Act would not allow you to limit your, your number of visitors. I, I certainly can't in any of my apartments. <laughs> well, so. and, and again, this is just coming from everybody into one thing. And yeah. I, I would just, you know, just bring I, this up. This is I'm just, and, and I'm not being in any way critical. I'm only no, saying that no, if, no. if we're, if we're assuming that, that there, the landlord tenant act has jurisdiction over this tenancy, then we shouldn't be recommending anything that we know would clearly not be allowed under the Landlord-Tenant Act. Okay. So that to me would be a non-starter if, if it wouldn't be allowed under the Landlord-Tenant Act. I, I think that's a really good point if I could chime in on that, Rick, because I'm, I think this is a very special kind of housing and I don't know that all those regulations apply. I, I don't know either. And I think that's something that we really need to understand. Um, you know, there's special circumstances in this kind of housing. And I think, um, you know, at this point, what they've put together has many questions about how to behave in the community and 
what really prompts good behavior to help people get back on track and move beyond. Um, and so I think we should ask that question before we discard it quickly. I agree. I think we're assuming, but that's never been stated or right. never been stated in a meeting that I've been part of. So I think that's a great first question is if we should be proceeding under that assumption or not. Yeah. We, so we don't know. We, there's not, not, yeah. Okay. Because that would be... <laughs> that would that would render some of these things moot if if they are her. Um, yeah. So let's let's just assume that that's something we, that needs to be determined and then discuss the merits of the recommendations. But I think maybe before we send something in for our, as our final recommendation, we I think we need to determine whether or not uh, that there is jurisdiction in the landlord tenant act have we seen the cities um all the conditions that this i thought i thought the city was going to have a public meeting to talk about conditions but the public meeting just sort of turned into i'm for it i'm against it um i didn't really feel like it accomplished what i thought it was going to accomplish but have we seen the list of conditions because Possibly that is one of them that all recommendations of the Tenant Landlord Act will be, or that there will be provisions that supersede that. And that's what we don't, we don't know. Does anybody know? Well, I think they're going through a process right now. They've got a whole bunch of uh, small group meetings. Okay. Jeremy, you probably could speak to that. I there's, isn't there a series of meetings scheduled with groups that have specific interests that it, that they're kind of trying to sort through? I believe so, but I don't have any, I'm just simply not following the project in general. Yeah. yeah they had five, five meetings scheduled, I think. Yeah. And they were trying to limit each meeting to five or six people. Yeah. So they could actually have discussion. And Betsy, the only thing I've seen published from the city council was their uh, resolution or the attachment to the resolution from March 1st, which said, here's the things we're going to talk about putting conditions around. So, yeah. Okay. Was this one of the, so was that part of it? I mean, are some of the things we've mentioned, some of the things they said? I haven't been back there, but it, it, I, it, they certainly cover the, the, the topics. They just, didn't put any specifics to right. it. Right. Okay. Zero specifics, just big yeah. ideas. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think those five meetings were supposed to be be transparent and have uh, resident feedback, and then they were going to go from there. So the way I, I looked at this was just to kind of help them solidify some of those big ideas into some. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is just us saying here's here's some topics that we think should be part of the discussion. Might be, might be helpful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Kristen is the one that did the whole outline. So she so especially like if you so what she did first sent us, if you look on the very the next to the last page, like data analysis and reporting and all of uh, the things that city shall engage, all metrics shall be posted. Those are all things that she had originally put together and then we just expanded on that so because we had no other 
basis to start with. We had yeah. And that 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 to me is the, the kind of the linchpin to the whole deal is, is you know what what the city is going to be setting as the metrics and 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 how it's going to be uh, monitored and and then what you know how how often they they report and that the citizen advisory committee those are all critical the the big question is the last one there. In my mind, it's the county shall create in participation or partnership with the citizen advisory board, the criteria that are grounds to terminate or close the housing center and or modify the above resident criteria with the corresponding service level agreement for remediation and a response. Um, that to me is the essence of, of, it's not that you want to go in with the you know expectation of failure, but you have to have some sort of guardrails that if it goes outside of certain boundaries, that you have to then have a mechanism that it it you you have to be able to take corrective action. I think it actually goes a bit beyond that, everyone, in terms of. Just recently, we have gotten a very clear indication of how the county expects in certain circumstances that they're going to behave specifically regarding this issue. Um, they didn't follow their own rules on purpose for acquiring the property. If we talk about the previous uh, item that we talked about in this meeting tonight, the transfer station was very, very loud and clear at the SAG meeting that the um, citizens advisory board is only that you're an advisory board we're going to do what we want that was loud and clear stated again tonight the same thing's going to happen unless we stand up yeah yeah and that that's going to really require a city council that's that's committed to that yeah Well, okay, so let, first of all, you guys did an outstanding job in putting all this together. I mean, this has got a tremendous amount of substance to it. And um, I, I'm, I, I, it, I brought up the whole, the, that one issue on the Landlord-Tenant Act, because if, if that does have jurisdiction, then that, that does, we do need to make sure that it, you don't, you don't want to have elements of this that are, you know, clearly um, uh, inappropriate if if they are um, if, if the landlord tenant act is is appropriate. I just it, it kind of discredits all the good stuff that you've done. You know, so we that's all I'm thinking is that if we could at least get an answer on that question, it shouldn't be that hard. I would think to to ascertain the legal status of those those people. Don't doesn't doesn't the city of Seattle have uh, a hotel that they converted years ago that they use for uh, this same purpose? They do. There are several different facilities. Um, I do not share your belief, Rick, that this will be easy information to get. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. I hope it is, but I, I honestly don't think it is posted online anywhere. Um, yeah. it is, I, I'm happy to look and uh, certainly happy to ask. I've asked about metrics a couple of times and have yeah. not 
any response on that. So I'm with you on that. I, I looked everywhere trying to, because I, I would, if I could come up with some metrics that were being used anywhere else in the country that I could find anything that was posted anywhere, I was going to send it to you guys. I looked, I couldn't find anything. I'm almost wondering if this is important enough that, you know, it's a big question that I'm hoping the city council goes, aha, uh -huh, this is something we should know too. In which case the city of Kirkland's uh, city attorney department probably ought to talk with King County and render a formal decision, at least to the city council that we might be privy to understanding. So Jeremy, is that a possibility to get uh, Kevin Raymond's group to formally issue some sort of an opinion of this based on conversations with King County and maybe even the state? Um, hard to say I could prioritize that for them. Um, I assume Kristen, that you put an inquiry into Leo for King County on that. That would be one approach, one other approach on it. Um, I wonder if you're coming up with a recommendation or a resolution if the appropriate thing is to the extent allowed by law, you should consider X, Y, or Z without being 100% committal about, we think it's legal, we don't think it's legal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That, that would be a really good way to word it. Um, uh, as a start, another starting point, wouldn't you just kind of look up the RCWs and, and see what's, what, what it covers? Yeah, yeah. What I, I, it does not cover uh, transit, uh, you know, like if, you're, if, if it's a hotel or, you know, some short-term rental, if, if you've got a, uh, you know, our Airbnb rental or something, I mean, th those people are not subject to Landlord-Tenant Act, but this is more of a long-term housing. Yeah, it's called permanent supportive housing. Exactly. And so that's why it kind of become, and you know, really, it, when you think about a hotel and its use, it's quite a different animal than what this is going to be with long-term residents. And, and so, but I can see, Kristen, that where they may try to avoid that characterization just to, to avoid some legal challenge on that basis. You know, yeah, I don't know. The way I was looking at it is I was thinking if normal, regular people that, you know, go to apply at an apartment and have to do those lease terms and get a background check and all of that kind of stuff, then I would think it should be applicable in this case as well. So what you're saying is we need to find out through the county if that's what they're thinking? Is it that we're, that's gonna follow the Landlord-Tenant Act? I think it, it's, it's kind of a starting point because there's a lot of protections for the tenants, as you well know, in the yeah. Landlord-Tenant Act. Well, and most of this is, is, bullet, is boilerplate from the Landlord-Tenant Act. When you go down to the lease, um, that's why all my pages are up think here. Lease terms and conditions at the bottom of page two goes on through three. Yeah. And um, part of four. Yeah. That's all out of the landlord tenant act. Just yeah, I recognize all that stuff really mm -hmm. well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just brought it up because when you start talking about um you know minimum or, or the 
no, no more than two visitors at a time. That's certainly outside the boundaries of the landlord tenant mm -hmm. act. But again, there's other things outside the boundaries as well. And there is mostly suggestions because these, to me, I was looking at it as a way of these are suggestions and yeah. maybe the, you haven't thought of these. This yeah. might just be something to think about. And you look at that and go, well, no, that doesn't work and throw it out. Um, mm -hmm. But we can throw it out now. I mean, I'm not, I'm not attached to that at all. But if you look at the next one, the lease terms, there were three different bullet points there. And that was because people had questions about those, but that's all out of the landlord tenant. Uh, yeah, the you know that from your experience that immediate terminations, you almost have to have somebody commit murder to be able to immediately terminate them. I mean, it's it's a high bar to be able to it's it's got to be truly an immediate threat to somebody's, you know, life. Again, well, I think in this place, though, we, we have identified uh, a place where people will go. Now, there's got to be an opening in that place. So it's not like they get kicked out you know, and on the street, it's that they get relocated. And so what, what is immediate in, in terms of, you know, that timeline? And if, yeah. if I could maybe ask one question, if the intent tonight was to come up with some sort of um, uh, agreed upon language that this council could look at that then forward to the city council, I might suggest in the, opening paragraph we state something to the extent allowed by law as jeremy recommended as a caveat for all the oops that doesn't quite meet mustard and we focus on the intent of what we're trying to achieve um and if it's not the intent to get this resolved tonight that it could be forwarded to the city council then that would give us time to flush some of these out. So I think it really depends on uh, Kristen and Ruth, what, what the true intention of tonight is with this. Well, you know, if you think about it, John, we, we at one time were uh, literally giving them authority to, if, if we didn't have the opportunity as a council to review it, that they were gonna make a recommendation to, to, on this even before we were able to, to look at it as a council. So we're all we've, now we have an opportunity to discuss it before we put forward it to the council, city council. But I, I think, you know, I, I do like Jeremy's uh, wording. I think you could simply add that to under suggested criteria and metrics. Just say in, in addition to the above amenities, the council strongly encourages the following guidelines for the facility to the extent allowed by law <laughs> and uh, then separate then a separate separate sentence several of us on the council have experienced property management and we have found the following to be successful yeah, something like that i think that's great because otherwise uh, like larry suggested going to our the rcws i don't know who has time have you guys ever read the tenant landlord <laughs> <laughs> It's dry, it's boring, it changes, and it's all in favor of the tenants. So yeah. it's it, it would be a huge handle for something that I wonder how much the city council is really going to look at it as in-depth as we are. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. Let me ask you one thing on your uh, prohibited uh, residents or actions. Illicit drug use Where was the first thing you listed. 
Um, this is page two. Um, you know, when you it's your 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 discussion of what is the basis for um, choosing applicants. And that was John's, isn't that John? Isn't that your what you gave me? Uh, that that is. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the one who used that term in my initial flush out to you all, but I've not participated since you flushed it out. So, but yeah. Is it realistic for us to? Add, I, I believe me, as a landlord, I'm I'm not a fan of of renting to people that have uh, been arrested for uh, illicit drug use. But having said that, that's pretty general. I mean, if somebody's got a conviction for marijuana, not gonna we're not gonna deny the, that. But well, marijuana is legal. It's legal. I know, but you could have it from a pre before it was legal. You know that that's on your record. <laughs> So, oh, I see. but I don't think he's saying, I, I don't think he's saying arrest from that, isn't he? Just saying uh, illicit drug use is just using illicit drugs. Number two is active warrant for arrest for anything else. Yeah. I mean, an active warrant. Well, didn't Leo say that people can use heroin in their own rooms? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which which Betsy and I appreciate that. I, I truly appreciate the comment. However, this is not housing for regular people who are making house payments. It's a different kind of housing. It's a different kind of housing. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not arguing with you. Um, people will be paying something though. What do you say? A third of their income or something like that? Some will, because not all of them have income. Yeah. Yeah. Larry had his hand up. Larry, what? Oh. <laughs> Just from a timing perspective, the uh, small group sessions, one takes place tomorrow night and another one later this week and two others are scheduled for next week. So I think we do need to move sooner than later. Uh, and what the preamble to those meetings is the feedback from the community will inform upcoming implementation decisions, including a safety plan, referral process for tenants, and ongoing community communication. So those are covered in, in what the groups put, the committees put together yeah. uh, without trying to change things too much. We might wanna even consider uh, using headings that align more with what the council's thinking of uh, in there if, if, if it's a way to do that. So it falls in the right place in their discussions. But that's just the thought. That's so you're saying we wait until they write it out? No, no, no. I think we get this into them because as soon as they have these meetings or whatever else, that's when they're going to start their deliberations on their own. And another comment I had, is there any way after we submit this that we could have our committee or a couple members of our committee go meet with a couple of members of the city council to answer any questions, other types of things, uh, kind of, you know, at least, at least put, put forth out there. So it's not just, oh, these guys don't know what they're talking about. We'll, we'll just throw it away. Yeah. Those are good, good suggestions. Um, I, the, what Larry's all I think all that Larry is suggesting is take what you've done, 
but put it under the categories, you know, organizing it in the categories that the city is focusing on so that it's more readily um, adaptable to, to their decision process there. This is what's on the website. Yeah, and yeah. What, what it may be is just uh, a super heading, several year headings that fall underneath uh, the safety plan. Uh, several of them could fall under the uh, referral process for tenants. Yeah. Uh, I'm just wanting to make sure that it's kind of follows if, if they're focused on the safety plan that they can point to what we think in the safety plan. A lot of that stuff overlaps though, in the sense that the yeah. referral process is the start of the safety plan, right? <laughs> yeah. If you don't invite bad apples, your safety plan's a step up already. Correct. Larry, I agree with you. We should get this out to the council sooner rather than later. Um, the odds of it being thoroughly reviewed, I, I don't know, but I think the sooner we can get it out, the better those odds are. Yeah. Okay. Do so. Do we want to try to incorporate it the way Larry just just restructure it? No, don't change the content, but just change the the, the structure of it so that it's within the categories that the city is trying to focus on. Or and you know, obviously that would fall on Ruth or Ruth and or Kristen. I don't know if you guys are up to that. Alternatively, there's nothing wrong with sending it to them the way in the format it is, and then they can adapt it to their own categories. So a lot yep. of safety. I mean, the code yep. of conduct, the rules, prohibited residents, but then there's a whole section on the lease, on the lease terms. I mean, that's almost yeah. two pages. So, so figure out where that's going to go, because also that some of that is safety as well. And if you pull that apart, then it kind yeah. of loses the effect of, of what we're suggesting versus what is state law already. Well, yeah. Maybe just in that uh, uh, transition from page one into this, here's our suggestions. We just reference, we want you to uh, consider these as you're developing the safety plan referral process and community communications programs. And then put something in there. Several of these bullets could fall under multiple of those categories. Okay. John, I just want to, want to know that we're paying attention to what they're doing. Yeah, right. We're not just trying to do it for them. It's a great point. Yeah, John. Uh, I actually, I like all of that. One thing that's still very important from my standpoint is it's basically the consequential actions. Um, because what the study so far has published are, hey, here's some good ideas that we'd like to follow. And the consequences of not following them, I believe council member Toby Nixon is the only one that has chatted about when he read his statement right before the county closed on the property, when he said, uh, and even if this is allowed to move forward. Um, in, in my mind, it's wonderful to say we, we, we can't have uh, 
campers or unlicensed vehicles park on the lot. But with all of us participating in this Zoom meeting tonight, the city goes further than that with us. And it says, if you have unlicensed vehicles parked on your street, and they're there more than a certain number of hours, I believe 72, we're gonna hook them and tow them. We, the city are taking a responsibility to get rid of this unlicensed vehicle that you've parked inappropriately. None of that consequential language exists in anything for this project. And it's the consequential language that we really need to focus on. It's a great idea to have in this document things that we'd like to see but we need to have what happens if we don't see them? What is the consequence that will protect our community? That's the critical piece. And that's the part we need the city to really focus on. So you're talking about the data analysis, reporting metrics? Well, mine was a general comment, Ruth, not just not, okay. not not specifically about one thing. Okay. Right, I think what you're, I mean, we have a lot of very specific language in there. Sounds like what John is saying is- We need that. How are you gonna protect the citizens of Kirkland if there is any behavior that result, any fallout from this place? How is the city gonna address that? specifically right that's what you're saying well and this is a this is a real world study based on theoretical data right and so as we start to gather real world metrics what happens how do we know if it's working well and if it's not working well what happens and to the degree that this document can prevents the county and all of us for making up those rules as it goes along. And that's my worry for the citizens in that building, right? Yeah. Like, to move the goalpost as, as things go along. I, that, that's my worry. So to the degree that we can be specific for the way things go right or go wrong, um, all, the all the better. Otherwise we're gonna be making it up as we go. But setting expectations on all fronts tends to lead to better results. <laughs> yeah. So are we, where are we at? Are we saying we, we want to make some specific modifications to this and send it in within the next week or two? And if so, we need to... <clears throat> put the process in place. I wouldn't wait a week or two. If nope. they're, well, if they're having the small group yep. meetings this week, I think, you know, this these are things that people can yeah. chew on, you know, um, come up with some consequences, maybe ramifications or suggestions. I think, I think we do amend it. We add the caveat to the extent that the law allows. Yeah. And then to the degree that the, whatever, 150 bullets can be organized into safety, resident referral, community, uh, communication, yeah. whatever the fourth one is, I'm blanking. I think that puts it in an, um, 
better context. I'm happy to do all of that, Ruth and John, and send it to you all for your review. Um, well, the council at this point would just need to, we, we've had this discussion, you just have to reflect the, the discussion and, and we'll just have to trust that the three of you will, um, whatever you, you put together is, is going to be satisfactory because we, we can't. Be... I met the Kirkland City Council. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Thank you. Well, the only one that out of these that I kind of have some angst on is the business activity in the units. Maybe it could be worded as uh, business. You can operate a business out of the unit if approved under certain conditions. There's so many work at home type stuff. You know, you maybe teach them to do some tech stuff or other types of things, and they can just work from a computer in their home. No, we don't want a whole bunch of traffic coming. We don't want a uh, uh, kind of a retail store or other type of stuff operating out of it, but because uh, uh, then you never know what's happening. But, but Kirkland already has rules around that. But but I'm I'm just trying to make sure because this says the way it was written first, no business. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out a way that we could allow certain types of businesses i agree uh, i agree I because it, we're trying to get them to right yeah trying to get people to be self-sufficient right the only problem is is then someone's going to have to do list what are approved not approved i mean that's the whole i mean i didn't we add something about working from home was okay and maybe i, I didn't see it. i didn't see that maybe I read yeah I, that was on a past draft i think I think the city um, has a definition for home business yeah. and it's different than working at home. Yeah. If you operate a home business, you are to be licensed in the city of Kirkland. So I think we can tie this to should someone want to operate a home business and use the city terminology and definition that they are properly licensed once the city vets them and license them, uh, then we're assured that it's probably going to be legal. Does okay. Jeremy, did I state that correctly? Yeah, I, I would just question, and you're just saying they've got to comply with existing city ordinances. And you want to start listing all of the city ordinances where the resident must comply with, but obviously, a resident of any apartment or condominium in Kirkland has to comply with the home occupation rules. Yeah. Well, that would work. Uh, yeah. That was a clarification. Thanks, John, for running a business versus working from home. But, well, uh, let's say you have an Etsy site, though. Let's let's say you're selling things on an Etsy site. Is that working from home or is that having a business? That's having a business and you would need a license. Do I sell things on website? Do we even know if something is going to offer broadband level internet? I don't even, I don't know that that's ever been mentioned. Maybe uh, just assumed. Side note, but I, I don't know that I've heard that come up. I would, I would guess it's probably already there. It's a hotel. Yeah. I would think you would. 
I would think that, you know, computer literacy would be an important part of training. So hopefully there's at least some computers there, right? Can we put that in your first, as one of the bullets on that first page? I think also having a yeah. uh, computer uh, training program. Because if people are going to apply for jobs and stuff, they're going to have to be computer literate. Um, gonna... Yeah, not yeah. even just applying for them, just being able to, you know, be successful getting one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. The facility should have broadband or should have a working internet connection with computers. Yeah. Good points. Well, Kristen, do you want to add these things? Do you want me to add them and then send them on to you for the recategorization of the bullet points? Um, I, I'm open either way, Ruth. I know that you've done quite a bit of work already. So uh, it's up to you. Well, I'm happy to hand it off to you if you want. Um, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm taking notes, so that okay, Perfect, perfect, okay. Well, because your wording is better than mine, so I think that that's probably better anyway. Um, it, since we're talking about making edits, the, the I talked uh, about uh, the second to the last page, the last item under data analysis and reporting, the, and it says the, the county shall create and participate with the citizen advisory board. I think the city absolutely needs to be every bit as much a part of that as the county. I think that's, it, to me, the city's um, willingness to approve this facility is dependent upon that. I, I don't think the city should even be willing to allow the, the, the facility to operate unless they are on board with that. The, those criteria and if particularly for a, a modification of the use if those criteria are not being met they being the city the city yeah. i think the city needs to be uh much more uh, I, I think they're they're taking a strong position is crucial in this so you're uh, saying to be add them to the citizen advisory board i I, I would say that the, the, they should be an equal partner with the county and the citizen advisory board. City and the county. Yeah. To be creating or yeah. held accountable to those SLAs. Yeah. I, the, the city, they literally, they, to me, they have legal leverage that far exceeds whatever a citizen advisory board, the citizen advisory board will just be an advisory board. And, and mm -hmm. just like what John was saying, you know, yeah. the county will listen to them, but if they disagree, they'll do what they think. But the city, I think, has status that is, that, that is beyond that. The city literally has a legal basis for saying, no, we, we, we did not approve this facility if it's resulting in uh, you know students being murdered from the residents of this facility, I'm just using that as a you know extreme example, but whatever those criteria are, the the city is is saying you we we will not allow its use if if you don't meet these criteria, and that I think is is legally enforceable, or revoke the use exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I think you have to very, put them in a very prominent position, a you know, prominent role in that.
And by the way, and Jeremy, I just looked up online, uh, Development Services has a home occupation handout where they go through the definitions, et cetera. And it basically reads a business conducted incidental to residential use is termed home occupation. And it's home occupation, not occupying a home. That seems confusing to me. Um, yeah. So there's a whole handout on it. And that helps because then that then nobody has to sit there and determine if your business is okay and your business is not. I mean, that's totally clear what's recommended um, by the city. Follow again, following the law. Yeah. And number one on the intentions will not harm the character of the surrounding neighborhood. Wow, look at that. <clears throat> okay. Do you guys feel? Go you ahead. Feel, um, okay, go ahead, Ruth. Uh, just uh, the, the other thing is is the other tenants to consider because if you have a business where customers are coming back and forth day and night, that's disturbing to the other tenants as well. So there's reasons for not doing other reasons for not doing this as well. And a reason for an on-site manager. It's interesting that, you know, the, that's always in, in my business, uh, having been in, you know, a landlord you know, as my primary property management business for the you know, most of my career, I, it wasn't to protect me so much as it was what all the things, the rules, regulations, the restrictions, the consequences to the tenants, it was to protect the other tenants. <laughs> that's why I did it. I, I did not, I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it so that I would be able to, uh, keep good tenants and people that are inconsiderate and are, and are abusing the, the tenants that live that their neighbors it, that that's that's the point of all this and you know to john's point about the illicit drug use if you think about it if if a major uh, factor in in the success of somebody's program is to quit using drugs and you know it if if you've got somebody next door to you that is a heavy drug that's using drugs and you're trying to get off of them, that's not health help, helpful. So I don't know. I think there's a really strong case to be made for for restricting the drug use, but they seem to be very open about no, we're not going to restrict drug use. Whatever's legal is legal, even if it impairs somebody who's trying to recover by having that. Well, and Leo's comment was, is that it was, it was a no answer is what he gave when we asked about that. Because yeah. his answer was, well, they will do much better because they're in a home and that will help them to get healthy. Well, that's not an answer because that, how is that affecting other ones that, like you said, trying to get off drugs or yeah. that it is illegal. I mean, what part of illegal is illegal. So, so you can see his point that I can see what they're trying to do, get him off the street and that will be helpful. But then there's a lot of other consequences for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's one reason why I put in that uh, paragraph recently that, you know, we'd like to have, I would like to have meetings held, AA meetings and NA meetings on site there because you know, if you're having a crisis, you, just a referral 
to someplace in Bellevue, you know, to the Alana Club in Bellevue, yeah. it's not going to help you. But if there's an ongoing AA group, if you've got a counselor right there or a sponsor right there, you know, then it's yeah. it's going to be easier for everybody, I think, to to not have these, you know, relapses. And no, that was a that was a great idea. Great, have yeah. it on site. I, it, you know, and I, I know there's no way, way we can enforce any of this, but we can certainly strongly yeah. suggest it. And yeah. isn't that what the purpose is, is to give them the suggestions they might not think about. They might not take the time or it takes a lot of time to think all these things through. And we haven't even thought everything through. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one other thought if I could. Yes, John. Um, at the last meeting, the people from uh, King County were talking about the statistical number of people that have been placed in these homes permanently. And as I have been corrected more than once, this is permanent supportive housing. Yeah. I tried to do a little research and some of it was sort of fuzzy. So I'm gonna draw some mm -hmm. uh, uh, connections here. And Jeremy, if you know what I'm stating is not right, I would really appreciate it. Um, so some of this actually is uh, connecting of the dots on my part, but I, I think everything that we have talked about is helping people. And as you so, I think, rightly said, Betsy, help people move beyond this type of housing, help them get out to become, um, you know, uh, productive citizens in society and live their lives and get back into the real world. That, that's the goal of this. And at the last meeting, King County very proudly said, we have, I think the number was 85 or 90% permanent housing. And I'm, I'm trying to understand statistically, I think what he meant was people move in here and they never leave. They're not moving on. This is a place where people can come and live forever. And I don't think the county quite purported it that way to us, but that's, that's just what I'm finding in the snooping I'm doing about the statistics. And Jeremy, do you know anything about that? No, again, I'm not the project manager on this, so I'm, um, I'm not the resource you need to answer those questions. Okay. Uh, didn't Leo state the, the goal of the program is not to have people move in and move out. The goal of the program is to get people uh, uh, the street. From, from sleeping outside, yeah. right? To prevent them from sleeping outside. So if, if the state, that is the stated goal of the program, then uh, I, I, it's certainly plausible to believe that, um, you know, moving on or moving up or moving out is, is not something that they, they're keeping track of because that's actually not a, not a goal. Well, and if people are, you know, at, you know, if they are elderly or they are, you know, sick or whatever, and they live the rest of their life there, I don't know what kind of medical facilities there's there's going to be i think that's fine i mean if they're following the rules if this becomes their forever their home and and they're good neighbors 
because that's kind of why I wanted to get like, let's get them things to do. Let's make it a decent place to live. So it's not just like staring at your hotel room, like I said. So, you know, maybe it could be, I mean, I think we can be, we can make this better than what the King, King County just wants to get people off the street. I want to do something better than that. I'd like to create a model system, you know, that improves people's lives, hopefully gets them off these, you know, addictive substances. And they have a, a decent life if they don't want to move and they're a good person and a happy and, you know, making, doing good things. I'm fine with that. I don't care if they move in or out. I would prefer they moved on and got their own house and got a job and, you know, whatever, but I, I, I don't know. I think it's out of, in context, how I kind of took that. Uh, yes, he, Leo was saying it's permanent housing. So people can stay here forever, but I think it's put in the context that they haven't had to evict a great percentage of the people or people just got here and it didn't work for them, so they left. Uh, and King County hasn't been so at least the ones that, that are coming online now haven't been online that long. Uh, the Seattle one, I don't know, that one's been on around for quite a while, but I don't know what their, their data points would be. Uh, but if, if that's the case, and I agree with Betsy, if hey, we, get, we, we achieve that goal and, and it's cost effective and it's cheaper than where we're spending the rest of our money, trying to enforce them or get moving tents from one place to the next place or whatever type of stuff. Uh, maybe, maybe that is a success uh, in maybe not the big picture, but in the smaller picture. I remember uh, we've had one gentleman, I think he has a German name, but he's, he has made numerous, uh, he sent us at least two or three letters and I think he's testified as well. And, and one of his points is that if, if this isn't designed to help people to, to reach some form of independence where they're not dependent on these facilities, and, and admittedly, there will probably be some people who just are never capable. But if that isn't a goal to try to help them move on and out, then, um, and you're just making a, a nice place for people that uh, want to, you know, have a, a, a life in a hotel doing whatever they want to do. Uh, that's, that's probably going to just eventually you're going to draw more and more people to the area that would like to have that kind of a living arrangement. And, and we become a magnet for it. And instead of solving the problem, we just increase it because there's more and more people coming and seeking it. And I, he, he's made that point repeatedly and there is some merit to it. If, you're not if the goal isn't to try to help people move on then that's not going to help well and there's a reason that it's a problem that homelessness is a problem in seattle in san francisco in new york because those cities are making it free everything's free you can get uh, with all the nonprofits i've worked with they can eat three meals a day plus, get showers, get everything they need and still be on the streets. 
So when you, but why don't we really have those big problems like in Marysville or that? Because those city councils have deemed that, and again, so then where are those homeless gonna go? They're gonna go to where it can be. But I remember helping feed um, homeless people under the I-5 freeway and two young men had come there and they go, yeah, we came from New Mexico because we heard everything was free. And so when you, like to um, Rick's point, if you provide it, and here we'd be providing free housing and food, I think, isn't that the thing is to have, there's no kitchens there. So I, we really haven't talked about feeding them, but if you're providing it for them, there's no incentive for them to go do anything else except with, with Betsy's, you know, encouraging to make it be a nice place where they can also then get the help they need. Um, but to just enable them, I think that's a crime to just enable them to do whatever they're doing indoors rather than outdoors. I don't know what that is. Um, the old hand up instead of a handout yeah. concept. Yeah. And, Try to help them. That's why I think all of this is just giving a whole lot of um, ideas to the city council to help them firm up what they're trying to do because it's a huge undertaking they're they're taking on yeah. um, to do this and this is people's lives. Uh, we flushed out, uh, or do we have? Uh, pretty good sense uh, committee members of, of the modifications to this that you can do to try to get something out on our behalf. You guys feel comfortable with that? Because mm -hmm. I trust you. I trust collectively the, the three of you, I think working together can get something. What's your goal to get something out this by the end of the week? Is that realistic? Kristen, what's your schedule like? Talk to me. Yeah, Kristen, what's your schedule like? <laughs> uh, my goal is to get it out to you and John tonight. Oh. So, I mean, honestly, these meetings are happening this week. Yeah. So it's very topical. So I do not believe, and I put that question back to you all, what's your schedule like? I don't believe it's unrealistic to have it out to Kirkland City Council by the end of the week. Okay. I agree. Great. That's, is that... John, you, you okay with that as a committee member? Yes, I am. Okay, excellent. I think, uh, I'm glad that this was not just under uh, council member <laughs> comments. Yes. <laughs> so with that, I think we can move on. We don't really have anything to, to uh, necessarily, uh, there's no motion or resolution. It's just that we, we've previously, agreed to provide uh, a recommendation to the city council. And this is the, the, the result of that recommendation that you, what you, the committee has put together. And so we'll move forward. Unless somebody feels like we should have a resolution to formalize it. I feel like we've already essentially done that. By forming the committee and giving them, we gave them the charge to do this and the authority to send the report out if we weren't able to uh, get it done or have a chance to review it before. So you already have the authority. So we're, I think we already established it. Okay. 
Let's move on to John's discussion on the tree code. John, you need to unmute. Thank you. Um, so my report on the tree code uh, uh, has a culmination and as such, I feel compelled to sort of read something in the record. So uh, bear with me. Um, I'm a practicing architect and an owner of an architectural firm and have been for over 30 years. I'm also a member of the Master Builders Association of King and Sonomas County and have been for over 30 years. As such, I've participated in the Master Builders events and strategies around the housing marketplace. One such strategy is the ability to produce housing products, not only efficiently, but within the legal confines of local jurisdictional regulations. In working with numerous jurisdictions, one governing principle has been common throughout and it is the predictability of zoning regulations regarding the implementation of stated codes. To not have consistent, objective, or predictable zoning regulations is inappropriate and inconsistent with every zoning code available. I've also participated for over a decade on the Houghton Community Council, and I believe I've acted in a professional, prudent, and consistent manner in regards to my views and input on the codification of zoning regulations during my tenure. Recently, the Houghton Community Council has exercised its disapproval jurisdiction authority on the proposed revision zoning regulations for chapter 95, also known as the tree code. This veto was exercised after three years to revise the code and the conclusion did not meet the objective measures originally forwarded to the city council by the planning commission and by the Houghton Community Council. It is noted that the recently updated tree code did not have 100% planning commission approval and it did not have 100% city council approval. And these substantiations are available in the Houghton Community Council Resolution 2022-4. Additionally, I believe the adopted tree code is injurious to the property rights of citizens within Houghton Community Council jurisdiction. It's also inconsistent with the neighborhood plans that have been adopted into the city's comprehensive plans. The way the code is drafted requires an applicant to go through every process to save every six inch tree or greater in diameter through possible inconsistent applications of these regulations by individual planners, including the forced redesign of a home after the permit is submitted. This could prevent a property owner from building a new home in any reasonable economic way. I think this flies in the face of growth management. I therefore felt compelled to participate as a co-signer with the Master Builders Association of King and Snohomish County in the filing with the Growth Management Hearing Board for relief that the recently adopted tree code fails to comply with the Growth Management Act. I'm doing this action as I have a fundamental belief that people's properties can be used as primary vehicles to create affordable housing for themselves on their property. 
through creative, expeditious, and value engineered development yielding outcomes, which allows the current citizens to remain residents in this city. I know I may be criticized and some say acting vindictively against the city through their recent actions against the Houghton Community Council. This is not true. Again, I have been very consistent in my statements and suggestions regarding all zoning regulations during my tenure long before the city took action against the Houghton Community Council. As such, I would like the Houghton Community Council to consider through resolution to opine on the filing of the Master Builders Association of King and Sonoma's Counties to the Growth Management Board regarding the validity of the updated code. And that discussion is what I would like to have now. I have um, prepared and I'm very sorry that because of the way that I'm doing this this evening, the balance of the discussion of what I'm proposing, I will read quickly. I do believe it is very, very simple, but through resolution, I would like the Houghton Com Community Council to uh, essentially prepare an amicus brief to the growth hearing board stating why it did what it did. That's essentially what I'm asking this council to do. Um, and I would like them, uh, uh, and that can either be by this council or this council setting up a sub council for discussion. I'll finish these items quickly and then um, I'm concluded. I would like the amicus brief to state that the Houghton Community Council exercised its disapproval authority uh, through resolution 2022-4, vetoing the code revisions uh, outlined by file number. I would like it to state that the Houghton community exercised this veto based on its decisions through reviewing the facts. And these are related to those in the resolution of what the Houghton Community Council sent to the city council through the planning commission and uh, that uh, a second hearing didn't happen after COVID that uh, Larry totally talked about. Third, that the master builders of King of Snohomish County filed a petition to review with the growth management for relief, finding that the recently adopted tree code fails to comply with the Growth Management Act and issue a determination of noncompliance. Um, the, this is very important that the petition was due before the Growth Management Board last Friday, May 13th. Our board had no opportunity to discuss this as a group, and I could not really discuss this individually with every one of you. That would be usurping the regulations that we have for discussion in open forum. I had no alternative than to bring this to everyone now because the actual filing was due last Friday. Because of that, the only way that we could opine uh, is through some sort of amicus brief, which essentially is a friends of a court. It's, it's some sort of letter uh, to the board that basically said, this is why we did what we did. Um, second, uh, that, it, that it was not practical for us to do this beforehand, to file our own petition or to co-sign a position because we had no opportunity to get together before last Friday the 13th. 
next, that uh, if we need further discussion on this, that the Houghton Community Council authorizes a subcommittee to create these statements. Next, that the amicus will be submitted to the Growth Management Board. Uh, they have a schedule of things that's not quite yet published. Uh, and if it's been published today, I didn't see it today, but they're gonna have a schedule on when things like amicus brief need to be um, filed. Um, and the, again, the amicus brief is simply going to outline the review process that the Houghton Community Council participated in and the reasons that the Houghton Community Council vetoed the action. That's what I would request the board to um, discuss. Any questions? Board, you mean the community council? I'm sorry, our, our council, our community council. So to, if I understand this, to sum it up, the master builders are filing a petition with the growth management board to challenge the legality of the updated tree code ordinance to say that it, it is in violation of the growth management act and affirmative. And that filing was due last Friday, the 13th. Okay. And so they filed and you, if you could have uh, had the discussion with us when they filed, you would have asked us to file a, a similar petition. Although the reality is filing a petition with a growth management board that isn't going to be heard until probably what this fall. I mean, I presume there's it's several months in the process for, so we wouldn't, we wouldn't have really been able to, to file a petition anyway, but is, you're saying that we could file an amicus brief, even though we're not going to be in existence when they actually hear it. Um, I believe that we are allowed to file an amicus brief because we are in fact a um, council at this moment when we file and in that amicus brief, just give the circumstances that we've been sunsetted um, because this is really why we did what we did. That, that, so it doesn't matter if we're in existence when they review it, it is a historical outline of why we did what we did. Why did we veto this? And we can't give the reasons why two sitting council members vetoed it, but we can bring up the fact that two sitting council members did veto it and that the original reasons uh, that we listed as vetoing it, uh, two of the sitting council members were actually on our council when that was drafted and agreed with it at the time. Would, would this amicus brief require legal counsel or is this something that you, we could just you could you would probably be the person who would would be uh, well. I shouldn't say that. It should be if 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 it would be on behalf of us, it ought to be a committee. Right. There, we should we should formulate a committee that's dedicated to this process. A lot, assuming that it's allowed by the um, growth management board, because they may or may not even allow it to to file an amicus brief on something that isn't going to be heard until we're out of existence, but I guess that's a question to be determined that the, that our board, our council, our committee could deal with that, right? Yes. Okay. So let's get a sense of, first of all, the, does this, um, does anybody 
uh, have a strong feeling either for or against participating and supporting the the uh, master builders petition to the growth management board. We did, we did, uh, I guess we voted to veto it. So this is just an extension of trying to uh, not have it approved. I guess from my perspective, I'm not certain what the growth hearings board uh, purview is. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think when John put out here, uh, you know, we could certainly identify that, yes, we did not approve it, but how that stands up to what rules and regulations the Growth Hearings Board's looking at, I have no clue. It would, I would assume it would just be uh, some something to support the arguments being made by the master builders is, you know, we're, we're, we're not, we don't have any, we, we can't have any standing with the petition because we'll be out of existence. But I, what I think I hear John saying is we would just um, support the action of the master builders while uh, to the extent we can while we're in existence. Is that essentially what you're saying, John? Well, yes. And uh, just to reassert uh, beyond simply sending our, our resolution, which is part of public record. Right. Um, why what was done was done. Which is part of the record because our resolution included an attachment of your um, rationale, but to the extent that that could be embellished uh, to assist the process that Master Builders is going through, I guess you could, it doesn't hurt. Yep. Well, that's my thinking. Yeah. Um, and uh, since you'd be the one doing the work, I guess, <laughs> and I don't, I don't see anybody else taking that responsibility on. And that's not a problem. I mean, there's no problem with you being in, being involved um, in preparing the amicus brief or whatever it is that you're proposing. Well, it's uh, I I cannot speak for anybody else. That I I'm not you know I'm not allowed to do that. I don't do that. I wouldn't do that. Uh, I certainly can speak as a private citizen and uh, as a member of Master Builders Association. Yeah. Yeah, and as I read in my brief, and it was important that I read that because I am one of the filers. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, would anybody oppose having a committee with, composed of John and you know, one or two other people that would be um, assisting in this process with the master builders and their challenge to the ordinance for the tree code amendments? Any anybody is that precedent? Is there any precedent for our council or any other council to do something like this? I feel like we're being asked to. I don't know. I'm I'm not feeling more comfortable with this. But 
I voted against the veto. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to put it in context, <laughs> well, I I don't think we would be. I see that part of my thinking is if if I was to be a participant in this committee with John, I wouldn't I wouldn't do anything that we're that we're precluded from doing. I mean, the first step in my mind would be to find out exactly what we can or can't do by contacting a representative of the growth management growth management hearings board and and determine that i don't i don't think that um that we i i i'll ask the question or i i would ask the question what would it be appropriate for any government you know elected officials as a body to file an action with the growth management hearings board and i just don't know the answer i've never done it you know but if if we find out that yeah in fact that does happen then then i could be supportive of it if it's not then yeah you're right we don't want to be on we don't want to be taking trying to take some action that's going to look like exactly what the council said that we would do go off and do some crazy ass thing just just to get back at them to be vindictive but that's not where john's coming from even though i not where I'm yeah. yeah i've been very consistent for years about this yeah yeah i think that um so that you don't waste your time, it is a good idea to contact the growth management people yeah. just to make sure because you don't want to do it and then just have them just toss it after all that work you've put in. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and you don't want it to reflect badly on us as what Betsy's saying, you know, if you're doing something that's, you know, just really inappropriate, then yeah, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be in that role. Well, I think, you know, 95% of it is done. It's in our resolution. And the piece that's not in our resolution is the part that Larry totally brought up about the hearing. Um, and that as time moved on, another hearing should have come up. I mean, that's the only other part in it that we did discuss that did not make it into the resolution. Okay. Um, So I, I think a majority of it is discussed and talked and, and um, so well, I, I would, would read all this and listen. So I'm trying to stay true to that. Yeah, yeah, you are, John. You're, you're being consistent. I'd be willing to join John as a part of a committee and, and be a moderating force as far as whether or not what, whatever we do is, is, uh, is, is appropriate for um, acting with the board, growth management board. And and I welcome anybody. Oh, actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm just saying I would if, if we decided we wanted to do this. And I think, John, you're, you're, you're making a request. And so, yes, yeah, so we need to, your, your, your proposal would be that we explore the possibility that the, how, whether or not it would be um, allowed and appropriate for the community council to file an amicus brief in support of the master builders petition to the growth management hearings board as to the their challenge to the um, 
tree ordinance uh, amendments being in violation of the Growth Management Act. Yeah, and I would, I would say more succinctly why we did what we did. Okay, well, that would, that would be the substance of the amicus brief, I presume, right? right? So that's what John's proposing. What, let's take a, uh, I guess, yeah, in the form of, you wanna make it in the form of motion, John? Well, did you want to do a straw poll or do you want me to make a formal motion? Okay, we can do a straw poll. <laughs> Let's, who's, who is supportive of, of, um, of what I just said for John? I'm supportive. No, I'm seeing we've got four of us, four and, and three opposing it. Am I? I am into this entire thing. Yeah. Okay, so Betsy's not supporting and Larry's My pleasure. Huh? Well, I'm not supporting it just from the sense of I don't, I'd like to answer that other question first. <laughs> well, Larry, why don't you join us? Why don't you, it, I think it'd be great to have you, me and John be the committee and 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 then that way we'll have a real good balance of, you know, the three, if, unless the three of us all support the action, then we don't do it. You know? I think that's very fair, actually. You know, okay. all three of us are no go, then we won't go. Yeah. Is that, that would works. that work? Yeah. I just, I like that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say yes or no. I think we just, there's too many, and there's questions to be answered before we, we uh, go forward with this. So we get the, we get the answers to the so, questions and then we decide whether or not it's something that we so would do. There are a couple of steps. Step one is exploratory. Uh, and then parallel to that, since we already kind of have the res our resolution, what we would support it with, if you know, we don't have to do these sequentially, we can do them in parallel of uh, putting together, if this is allowed, here's what we could say. Yeah. Uh, because we don't know what the date is that this has to be in yet. Yeah. My, my guess is I, I've never been in front of it, but I, I don't think those those growth management appeals go uh, you know, on a very rapid basis. If you just if they just filed it a week ago, then it's not going to get heard by the growth management board for probably at least a month or two. By that time, we're no longer around. Right. right. So I'm from that perspective, if that if we find out when that has to be done, we can basically have information. We can share it at our next meeting if there's still the time. Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. Get final acknowledgement, I guess, of that, because then we still have a week or 10 yeah. days or something yeah. like that. Good and that. Just, just to repeat, so everybody hears this, if, if any of the three are a no-go, it's a no-go. That's what we talked about, right? Yeah. Um, Okay, so uh, do you want to put it in the form of motion now, John? To since we got a straw poll that would support it, <laughs> um, I would like to move that the Houghton Community Council, through, resolu through resolution, 
uh, file an amicus brief to the Growth Management Board regarding the recent filing for the from the Master Builders Association of King and Snohomish County regarding the validity of the updated Kirkland Tree Code, period, that a subcommittee be set up with John Kappler, Rick Whitney, and Larry Totally, period, that this subcommittee will uh, explore the process of preparing an amicus brief to the Growth Management Board, explore the dates to be filed, what we're allowed to say, make a determination that we all must agree upon to forward to the Growth Management Board, and then forward it to the Growth Management Board, period. I, I think I would also say whether or not it's even allowed. And, um, and I thought I said that, but I'm yes. not sure. I, thought, I think you were just talking, talking about the timing, but whether it's even allowed and whether or not uh, it would, it, that a, 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 let's see, how do I put it? A, 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 a any kind of government uh, elected official group is um, is 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 a legitimate party to this sort of action. I don't have any idea whether yeah, an amicus brief does not make us a part of the action. Yeah, it's just it's just a friendly filing with the board that says here's why we did what we did. That's all it is. Yeah. Well, I guess that's that's to be explored. The only the only amendment I or change I'd make to your stuff there, Tony, you said. We all agree. I think we changed the we to the the, the three members of the committee will all agree because it could be construed as the whole community council all agrees. Okay. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I think that's an easy change. Yes. Yeah. So accepted. Okay. All right. So that's been a that's a motion by John. Is there a second? Second. All right. It's been seconded by Bill. Any further discussion? <laughs> discussion. Discussion. All in favor of John's motion, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed. Abstaining. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good. All right. Thanks, John. So. Rick, can I get you to have people put up their hands? I couldn't. I yeah. Couldn't so okay. I think so. the the people that. Yeah, we're all. Kristen was abstaining, and other than that, everybody else voted for. It. Okay, thank you. Yeah, and I um, think the reason for the abstention was that she was not part of the group when the yeah. conversation happened. Is that right, Kristen? That's correct. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, John. So uh, next, last item on our agenda is the sunsetting amendments for Houghton Community Council and review the proposed approach to the code amendments. Jeremy, you're in charge. Let me know if you my screen. Yes. We see it. All right. So um, you asked for an update on this at a prior meeting to talk about exactly how the sunsetting of the community council relates to various codes and provisions in the municipal code and the zoning code. So I have an update for you on that tonight. Um, 
As you all know, the sunsetting effective date is July 9th. Um, it does require local implementation with changes to the municipal code and the zoning code to reflect that a municipal corporation no longer exists. Um, we talked about it at a prior meeting. That's kind of three categories of um, regulations we need to look at. The first of all is Title II of the Municipal Code, which kind of creates the municipal corporation, establishes elections and terms, all of those details. Um, second part of it is the process and authority in the zoning code, which is allows um, the community council to participate in public hearings and make recommendations. And then the final part of it is the fact that over the years, there are regulatory differences, tree code being the most recent between regulations that apply to the rest of Kirkland and regulations that, that don't apply within the um, community municipal corporation. Those that I'm sure you all know the blue boundary there on the right is the boundaries of um, the jurisdiction. So we did take this last week to the city council to get their preliminary direction on an approach to this, um, breaking into those three phases. Um, Title II, first of all, as we talked about, um, effectively becomes null and void after July 9th. But we think locally we do just need to repeal that to clean up our local regulations to reflect that, that the municipal corporation and the community council are no longer authorized by state law and our municipal code shouldn't have something to the contrary in there. So we are going to repeal Title II in its entirety, but um, as we've talked about also, there's an important distinction there that it also kind of sets those that blue boundary I showed you on the prior map. And that tells the user of the zoning code where regulations vary within and without of the um, potent jurisdiction. So we think it's important to leave a placeholder, probably in Title II, that until those regulations are reviewed and, and changed or maintained, that that distinguishes where those regulations apply. That makes sense. Yeah. We're gonna do that um, soon, probably July 21st with the um, effective date after July, or I'm sorry, June 21st. June 21st. Yeah, yeah with an effective date after, uh, on July 9th. Um, any questions on that bit before I move on? Okay. The next part is just the, um, the process authority. So um, as you know from experience, the provisions for the um, community council to participate in these legislative and quasi-judicial actions resides in the zoning code. So it's participating in hearings, it's making recommendations on quasi-judicial stuff to the hearing examiner or if it's legislative stuff, making recommendations to the planning commission. Um, and then ultimately exercise of disapproval jurisdiction on legislative and commercial matters. So again, these provisions after July 9th, when there's no longer a municipal corporation, there's nobody to have that joint meeting or make a recommendation. And so it's effectively moot um, after July 9th, but we also, another part of the zoning code that just needs to be clarified and, and cleaned up. So that will take more time because it does require planning commission public hearing planning commission recommendations to city council, et cetera. So that will happen, uh, we'll, we'll kick that off in June. Um, the scope of the amendments is pretty straightforward, but it's just gonna take time for that to process. And any questions about that? Yeah, John. So um, in, in this title, when it discusses the Houghton Community Councils, whether it's quasi-judicial, legislative or wherever, is, 
in this title, is that grouped as kind of all these things are one thing? And so once we essentially effectively throw them out, everything else falls, falls into place or is some of it handled one way, some of it handled another way, is some of it planning commission, some of it not planning commission. So does it get confusing someplace else? Um, and I actually don't know the answer to that question because I've just focused it either is or is not in the HCC jurisdiction. Yeah, the title two stuff is pretty straightforward because everything's contained in that one chapter. So that's, okay. the, that's the first slide on the municipal code amendments. This section, the process and kind of authorities that are in the zoning code, those are scattered a bit more because some of it's in, in the regulations about public hearings before the hearing examiner. Some of it's in the regulations about um, public hearings before the planning commission. So there's a couple chapters there that need to be touched on, but it's pretty, again, it's pretty straightforward. It's, um, you know, a word search of the zoning code tells you all the hits of either municipal corporation or community council. And, and that's the stuff that needs to be cleaned up. Okay, and then just to follow up, and you can kick this off to the end, but I'm, I'm interested in what the current thinking process is on the results of any previous quasi-judicial uh, or any two-way processes, the results of those meetings, how legally they're going to stay standing when, you know, how, what, what's the thinking, legal process thinking that they don't have to go through rehearings again and that sort of thing. And you, yeah. can, you can do that towards the end. Well, I'll answer it now since you raised it because I don't have a slide on that, but it's essentially that decision. Um, the areas, the type of permits where the, where the municipal Corporation, Houghton Community Council has authority are those like the master plans and the PUDs, things that are eventually a city council decision. So you made a recommendation on that, but city council made the decision and those decisions remain in full force and full validity, um, whatever the term of that permit is. So there's really no change to a previous permit. Um, there's no effect on um, because it was part of Houghton at the time. Perfect, perfect, thank you. Okay. And then um, the next slide here talks about those um, legislative distinctions that have occurred over time. So this is just kind of a, a, a list of the types of um, differences or distinctions in the zoning code that are one way in the rest of the city and somehow different within the, the Houghton Municipal Corporation. So just 12 examples there with the 12th being the most recent. Um, we are assuming and city council confirmed, ideally what they'd like to find is consistency citywide between the regulations. Um, city council did um, talk about engaging state, key stakeholders on these uh, code amendments, um, both on the process and timing. Um, also city council encouraged us to address and I think you all have raised this before. What happens if non-conformances are created by the regulations changing over time? Um, the timing of this, um, we'll probably try to combine it with the phase 2A amendments, uh, the process amendments. Um, the city council did say if this just takes more time than the other changes that may, that it, you know, they're amenable to um, that happening, but they would like the recommendations on 2A sooner if we're gonna spend more time on the 2B stuff. Um, another part of that, so the council did want us to look at all of those codes 
at the same time as, as part of a group. Um, staff talked about and council supported a concept that there's variability in the affected data beats. And so we've talked uh, at previous meetings um, whether some of these changes would take effect immediately, whether some of them should be deferred um, over time to enable people who are already in the permitting pipeline or in the design process or something to vest under rules in effect at the time. So this is the kind of tentative approach that, that council endorsed their, that first um, category of um, bullets in black, school heights, reasonable use, missing middle housing, um, solar, marijuana businesses, homeless encampments. So those, those regulations, they have an interest in taking effect sooner rather than later. So that might be something like the normal um, code amendment process. The second set of amendments here, which are green, um, inclusionary zoning, um, setback standards, garage design, porches, floor area ratio limits, boat and trailer parking. I forgot about that one. That um, council had an interest in providing more time. So if somebody is working on design or in the permit pipeline on something there, that, that, that the effective date of that change might um, be pushed further out. Six to nine months was the kind of category we talked about. And then lastly, on trees and landscaping, we talked about a, a two-month de delay just because that was similar to what was afforded to um, the rest of Kirkland when the, when the new tree code went into effect. That kind of gives you, and this is all to be determined through the process, but that just kind of gives you a range of things that council has an interest in, in um, changing sooner rather than later. Some that they are interested in just making sure that applicants are treated fairly through that process and have time to adjust to the changes. And I think that is my last slide. So I'll stop there and see if y'all have questions. And I can, if you'd rather see each other, I can pull the slide deck down. Let me know. I think it's good to leave it up for now, Jeremy. Um, I, I'm particularly interested in John's uh, point of view since he's, out of our group, the one who's been most involved in the permitting process. And, um, and we, we made a strong appeal to the mayor and deputy mayor to pr provide a reasonable amount of time as much as possible to allow for projects that are underway that haven't actually gone into the permit process and haven't been grandfathered in um, to be able to let them continue their, uh, whatever their due diligence is and and getting their entitlements. But John, what do you think? John, you're, you're uh, muted. John, unmute. Sorry, sorry about that. I had to sneeze. So I, um, I'm really glad they're doing this. And if I could just ask regarding trees and landscaping, my office hasn't found anything online about the delay. So would you start with that one real quick? And so implementation has been delayed citywide? No, implementation was delayed from the, from the adoption date of the ordinance um, for two months. So it went into, the new code went into effect two months after adoption. Of the oh, treatment. yeah, which was uh, like uh, a Friday a week ago. Yeah, okay. It, it was delayed. It won't be delayed further. It was delayed. Okay, yeah. got it, got it. Um, well, my... Specifically to your question, Rick, um, I, I don't. In today's world, the time frame to design someone home, work with the consultants that are needed to coordinate all of the issues, 
prepare documentation and submit for permit is a very, very long fuse. And not knowing whether some regulations are going to be um, expunged or not, which is certainly the case with the Houghton Community Council going away or not, nobody really knew until the last day at the legislature if it was actually going to happen. Uh, and certainly whether or not the TREDCO was going to be passed. Um, I, I just believe it's a very, very short time frame. And I would like to see since decisions were made on this, is there any additional hardship measures that can be placed on um, people doing something on their property that they may have begun the process a year ago are just now coming to fruition and may have missed the deadline date by a, by a bit. Is there, is there some hardship or is, well, number one, is the vesting, the sort of legal vesting that is, has gone through the uh, Supreme Court that it is an accepted permit application that is the vesting date. That's number one. Number, is that what you're looking for? And if that is the case, is there some sort of an emergency hardship, something that um, would prevent people from, you know, having to spend tens upon tens upon tens of thousands of dollars to redo things? So that's the first question. And you're muted, Jeremy. I guess it's contagious. It's your fault. I'm going to blame that on you. Okay. Um, the first question on vesting, yeah, I think vesting is as defined by the state, which means you have a complete building permit application or a complete um, subdivision short plot application. So I don't think we would want to try to invent a different standard than state law. It's certainly possible to do the kind of hardship clause you're talking about, John. Um, it takes what I find difficult with ideas like that is how you craft it, right? So what are the specific criteria would you look for? Is it show me you've spent more than X dollars or um, show me that you know a relative was sick or, I mean, some of these can be really challenging to draft. So it can be done. Um, I don't think we need to come up with an approach to it tonight, but if that's an interest or a recommendation from you all, you can, you can pass that along. Another thing I'd point out as I was um, getting ready for tonight, I think we probably want a code that, that gives the applicant a choice if the rules change because some of these rules are more flexible, some of them are more stringent. It's not, they're not all one way or the other. So if somebody wanted to, um, for example, on the um, cottage regulations, if somebody wanted to comply with the new regulations and not wait nine months, then I would think the city would be amenable to that. If somebody wanted to put a porch in a setback, I would think the city would be amenable to that. So there's, we probably want to provide some of that flexibility also. Agreed. Okay. How about to maybe stimulate some thought with everyone else? Let me just rifle down the other things that I had. I'll just rifle through my little list real quick. Um, 
and the very first thing was legal nonconformance. We're going to create legal nonconformance. Is that going to be somehow tied to title, to, to the building permit? Who's going to go back and do that? Uh, I, you know, this that the legal nonconformance is a big thing moving forward in the future. And should somebody be legally nonconforming today with something and they go in for a remodel, there's thresholds where they need to bring their home or their project into conformance. Are those going to be held to with strict abandoned that, uh, you know, if you want to remodel your house and do this, you're going to have to tell that part off. Uh, so that's a question. Um, I have a, a, about your statement on the very last page after number 13, it talks about um, timing and process and, and staff made a statement in here I wanna highlight. It's about halfway through the paragraph of process and timing after number 13. And it reads, in the opinion of staff, there are no likely differences in the physical or community conditions of the HCC's geographic area that warrant the continuation of these regulatory differences. And so there's a lot in that sentence. And I'm, I'm, I'm almost thinking that that sentence reads that in, in your three neighborhoods, they're, they're all kind of the same geographically and stuff. And I'm saying, well, well, yeah, but wait a minute. Each neighborhood has its own neighborhood plan. And in that neighborhood plan, it talks about all the differences. And those differences are very important for neighborhood identity. And that's pulled forward into the comprehensive plan. And so I know this is just a document to us. But as staff moves forward, thinking moving forward, Jeremy, um, and I, I know it says in relationship to these differences, however, the way that whole thing is crafted seems to sound like every place in Kirkland is the same. Why do we have differences in the, in, in the uh, you know, the goal to be equity and justice for all? We all need to be the same. But the city of Kirkland fought very hard to say, no, the state shouldn't regulate our land use regulation from the state. We want our own zoning regulations. So. I think this is just a slippery slope to be careful on, and I'm just highlighting it, okay? Um, I did that one already, I did that one already. And then big picture items uh, are more about us as opposed to the specific codes, so I'll ask those later. So that's, that's really all I had in this process. Um, just some quick thoughts on that, if that's okay, Rick. Um, on non-conformances, I think that's why council flagged that for special considerations. We have chapter 162 of the zoning code addresses if you're non-conforming to a variety of things. And so I think if things become non-conforming as to um, garages or floor air ratio or something, is that something different? The council's interested, is that something different than we already regulate well with our non-conformance provisions? Um, and if not, we should think about different thresholds, different standards for that. So I think that will we'll probably take each of those regulations one by one and just examine them against 162 as written and see if we need to make any adjustment to that. Um, and so in just uh, when I read 162, it's got dates like 1968 and things like that. It's almost like it's got to be tied to um, um, the former boundaries of the Houghton Community Council or the Municipal Corporation and be a permit vested by a specific date. 
not built by, but vested by, because somebody could get a permit, submit for a permit and have it vested a week and a half ago or July 8th, and uh, essentially extend that permit before they start construction, sort of limp along and not get it finished. And it might take them three years to get a house finished, but would be legally vested by the time they submitted it for permit. So the date's very, very important. Yeah, a lot of the kind of just um, physical characteristic regulations. So just I'll pick on uh, Florida ratio as an example, where at some point in the 90s, the city adopted citywide Florida ratio limitations, right? And a lot of stuff became non-conforming in Kirtland. If you have a, a bigger house that exceeds that, it's non-conforming. And there's a way to deal with that through the non-conformance section, whether you can't expand or you can't expand under certain limitations. So it's really just this, it's the same thing here um, as it would be anywhere else in Houghton. You come to us and talk about doing an addition to your house. You know, what's your floor area right now? What's your floor area ratio? Is it conforming or not? It really doesn't. I think the distinction of that it was in Houghton or not in Houghton doesn't change the fact that it's just a non-performance like any other, right? So um, where we have specific dates are things like on the subdivision regulations or subdivision stand, stand or subdivision standard or uh, legal lot size thing where there were changes at the state law and really fundamental changes that are important to track the date of that activity. But um, yeah, we'll review that and see if it needs that kind of detail or that level of specificity or not. Um, and we have, as you know, from 162, we have lots of examples of how to do that. Okay. And then I've got just a list of, you know, I'm gonna call it kind of business stuff, I guess. Should I go on? Does anybody else have any questions? If, if John, if my, my thought is that as a somebody who goes through the development process and permit processes as as part of your everyday work, you 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 have a perspective that the rest of us lack. And so, if you're if you think they've they've got some some if there's anything that should be considered for modification, I'd sure welcome your point of view. I think the biggest point of view is that. Um, the energy and money that people expend to get a building permit permitted to have it changed in 60 days is lightning speed for our industry to react right now. Well, John, now do, if they get a permit or if they've, if they've applied for a permit and it's, it's complete, then they get vested, right? Affirmative. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and if I, Jeremy, if I understand what you're saying, these, all these amendments that are going to affect what somebody can do with their property in a development standpoint, those are not going to be implemented on July 9th. They're not going to be implemented until like the end of the year, right? Right. I think John's point is like whatever, and it's premature to say what exactly how long that will be. And I think the considerations that John's talking about are probably fundamental to that. I think what John's raising is two months or six to nine months really enough. If I'm a homeowner designing a new house, if I hired John to design a new house for me, does that really give me enough time to change and adapt to a change in regulation? So I think that for each of these topics, what's the appropriate amount of time for it to kick in and um, for the new rules to go into place? 
it's a it's a great discussion to have, and maybe that discussion even changes based on what permit review times or design design times are at the time these changes are being considered. So I think John's flagging a good point for future discussion about the adequacy of these timeframes, but it's hard to say what the right time frame is, um, but it'll be part of the process. That's it, thank you. Yep. All right. Let me just rifle through these others and uh, I've got uh, three, three, actually three of them now. Let me just all rifle through them that somebody else might have something else. Um, so on the city website, come July 9th, is uh, Houghton Community Council going to be gone? Has the city talked about what should be said about what it was and how it fit within the city regarding land use? Is there going to be something historical about it? Or is that just going to be now left up to the historical society like a gas station? Um, you know, what, what, what does the city want to do? We, you know, we were a little bit more than a gas station, but we don't participate really in the city anymore, but we were important, you know, how it moved forward. And if some of the regulations in terms of nonconformance tied to the Houghton Community Council, it's going to be important to sort of connect those. That's the first one. The second one has to do with has, was there a discussion on, um, emails and responses when our public emails will be cut off. Our discussion with the mayor and the vice mayor was, uh, it seems appropriate that, you know, a city council member, when they get voted out of office, whatever is afforded to them should be afforded to us. What happens to the, the third item is what happens to all the records, the email records back and forth. What happens if we need to follow up with somebody uh, is our personal email going to get forwarded to that person or, or will that person's email to our city account be forwarded to us? And it's our responsibility to get back to them if we choose to do that, to just to be responsible people. What happens to our minutes, our records? Those are part of the permanent record with the city of Kirkland. Are they going to stay on the city site and for how, you know, how many um, decades? <laughs> How, how long will those stand? Because they are part of, uh, you know, the records. And, you know, I don't know if that's a seven-year timeline or a four-year timeline. I don't know. Let's see how the city council goes back. Right. So anyway, those I think are as important for us to understand in our next meeting so we can understand how to behave and move forward with the public as we transition from publicly elected officials into just normal citizens and people ask us a question, we can say, well, that's a great question. Why don't you send that to the copy me and send that to city council? I, I don't know. I'm asking, you know, what, how, how does, uh, what's the best way to move forward? And we should be educated on this at our last meeting, or we'll have to have an, another emergency meeting. Um. I'll take you what I can can answer really fast. One is, um, I think that we talked earlier in the meeting about, about historic recognition, et cetera. And I think that's, it sounds like you and Rick will continue your discussion with the mayor and deputy mayor on that and what might be appropriate. Um, so I will leave that to you to follow up on. Um, some of the technical stuff about your emails, I think Kathy Anderson, the city clerk is, much much more aware of how that will be handled based on her experience with um, former commissions and council members. So I will um, talk to her and get answers to that. 
Um, in terms of your email records, your minutes, your meeting notes, all of that stuff, that lives on um, as part of just the city's public records. So that is subject to the state's uh, public, public record retention uh, requirements. Does that like live on under a category called the artist formerly known as Prince sort of thing? Or did, I mean, what, what I, mean, I mean, it would be nice to know. I know you can't answer now, but it really yes, would be nice. Well, it exists. I think what you're asked, I mean, it, it will always be publicly accessible for however long the state requires us to archive those records, right? So right. it will continue subject to those standards. I think what you're asking is how long will it be front and center on the city's webpage? Like if you go, if you want to go to the Houghton Community Council webpage, does that continue to exist for some period of time? It's not that those records ever go away just because the webpage went away. The webpage is just an easy way to display that. Yeah, one example of that is uh, when we were doing the research on the 50th anniversary of the merger, uh, public records requests or public information from the town of Houghton were still available from the city's website, or not website, but through public records. John, does that answer the questions satisfactorily? I think, I, okay. I think all that's great. Yeah, it would just be, um, you know, it'd be nice to have all of us have a path forward. Yeah. I, Jeremy, I want to thank you because I know you were very much part of the process and I, I think you did a great job on, on you know, looking for a fair um, resolution, particularly the people that were in the permitting process or, or leading up to a permitting process. That was by far my biggest concern. I just didn't want them to get screwed over <laughs> through this transition. And so it yeah. seems like if, if John's feeling like you're, you're being, they're being fairly treated, I think that's that you've achieved something worthwhile there. So thank you. Very much so. Yes, thank you. So with that, anything else uh, from for the good of the order? Administrative reports. Did I see? I have, I'll just do one uh, quick one, Rick. Um, that we did have, we had new tentatively scheduled for a joint hearing with the Planning Commission on May 26th. For remember, you said you were interested in the autonomous personal delivery device topic when Scott came and briefed you on that. That's that project's been um, pushed down the road. So okay. I'm not sure um, what I think Scott right now has it going to the Transportation Commission, uh, maybe going to the Planning Commission in late June. Um, so that's that project's been delayed due, due to just the complexity of the topic, particularly for use of the right of way. Yeah. So we don't have a hearing this Thursday. Correct. Yay. <laughs> I still think they should look at trebuchets, but that's just me. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. All right. With that, I think we are uh, done for this and I'm adjourning the meeting. It's great to see all you guys and uh, look forward to seeing you in person in June. Thank you, everyone. We're counting on you, Jeremy. Enjoy <laughs> your work. <laughs> all right. Bye. See you all. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks, Jeremy. You bet, yeah.